everything just went dark for me. I just couldn't move. I couldn't think. I didn't eat. I didn't drink. I didn't do nothing. I didn't want to live. I didn't want any more pain. I was tired of it. You're listening to Hope Stories, a Hope Mission podcast where we take you into the heart of the hurting and hungry in Edmonton. This season, we're inviting you to join us as we go behind the scenes on the 24-7 Rescue Van, where your generosity is providing life-changing care to people like Susan. This is Episode 2, Rescued and Redeemed. It was like minus three out, and it was me and my daughter, and we were both freezing to death. I was in Collingwood on the west side, and um, I have a friend who lives there. I asked her to let me in, and I just told her, I said, we're just going to go sleep in the laundry room. And she put a blanket there and a pillow for us, which was nice. And then she called, she called the Hope Mission Van, and they came and they rescued us <laughs> and they brought us here and um, I felt really grateful for the people who came and, and, and got me like having some help and recognizing that there are people who care out there it made a difference and I was grateful and it made me want to start trying you know, try to be someone again. Yeah, so Susan's story is is a prime example of um, how just uh, a concerned citizen can be part of a continuum that will change a person's life and give a person the opportunity to make uh, good decisions and take steps that will lead towards a life that has hope and um, has healing. And we have the privilege of working with many Susans or Michaels who just need that opportunity with someone who, who cares for them to to give them the advice and to to uh, um, show the concern and the care um, that that they're not okay with a person sleeping in in their stairwell or sleeping in the apartment building laundry room and not because you know it's a it's an enforcement or a policing thing um, but it's a, it's a genuine concern for their well-being i think susan's story is an example of that where someone uh, could have just, you know, tried to get rid of her, uh, but instead called the right people, called the right services that, that could um, bring her to more options that could help address some of the, the situation that she was in or some of the things that she was dealing with. I've also worked in shelters 
for the past couple of years and God really put it on my heart to tell them that they are loved and that there are people that want to see them change their life around and that having those people and those relationships can change someone's heart to know that they aren't alone. Um, for me, seeing people that are going through situations that they feel like they're helpless in is heartbreaking to me. And I think that if everyone did something little to show someone that they are cared about, a lot of the homelessness that we see nowadays and the addictions can be changed. Do you want lemonade? Lemonade? And it's soft? There you go. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Have a good one. People are more inclined to stop and talk when it's warm out. In the winter, it's more just give and go. Um, a lot of times in the summer is when we'll get out and like there's more than one person at a time and we'll just kind of sit around and talk. Um, it's just easier because they're warm, they're not frustrated or aggravated because of the weather, and they're not like on their way to go get to somewhere warmer at the same time. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit easier. Um, frostbite is a huge problem in the winter. Almost every time someone asks for a lunch, they also ask for socks and gloves because their feet get really wet if they don't have proper shoes. Um, and a lot of them don't, can't dry them or wash them a lot, especially if they're on the streets and in shelter. We've met people that give away their clothes to other people because they all live in a semi-community together. So they help each other out, but then they run out of their own clothing and they start freezing. So people will walk up to us and you can see that their hands are turning like white because they're so cold, especially when it gets to the below temperatures. So we, we operated basically taking those EMS calls uh, up to 12 hours a day for approximately, I believe it was 12 years. But in, in uh, 2015, I believe it was, uh, we were approached by uh, an organization called Reach Edmonton. And they were trying to put together a collaboration where essentially it would uh, expand our capacity to operate 24 hours a day. So they brought on board a couple other partners, uh, one being Boyle Street Community Services and uh, the other being uh, Canadian Mental Health Association Edmonton, uh, who run the 211 service. So they were, they were already set up um, and ready to go uh, with that call center. Um, so it made sense to bring them on board and utilize them as a dispatch for our teams, which then gave uh, the capacity for any uh, citizen of Edmonton to call into our program. Uh, anybody who sees someone who's in a non-emergent crisis situation, uh, a situation that needs attention but doesn't need the attention of police or ambulance. Um, and so they, uh, yeah, they were excited to get on board and uh, to be a vital part of this project. So. 
when we entered the partnership with Boyle Street Community Services and, and REACH and uh, 211, we were able to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The great part of Edmonton is that we have a lot of citizens who have care and concern for people that they see in need and so um, there, there began an increase in calls to our services which then led to uh, adding two more additional teams uh, during our peak hours and then uh, eventually over time one more night team uh, run by Boyle Street Community Services. So now the partnership has, uh, in a 24-hour period, uh, six teams on the road. Did you see Johnny at New Lassitation? Johnny? Yeah. Oh, no, no. I Why? haven't seen him lately. Yeah, he's looking pretty rough lately. Johnny is the one that sits um, by Shaw. And when I first met him, I thought, I honestly thought he was Kevin's age. And then I found out that I think what, he's 31. Um, and because of the lifestyle that he lives, he has just kind of run himself down. And throughout my time on the van, he's gotten worse and worse. But he's someone that every time I see him, my heart is just so big for him because he didn't choose a lot of things in his life and he has mental blocks that stop him from making good choices now and so sometimes when he's on the van like he knows that we want him to get help so i choose my moments of either telling him that or just simply being a friend and talking about stories and listening to him and the one time I just I was in a mood and I wanted to sing so I wanted to hear a song <laughs> and I asked him to sing and he was like it's because of my raspy voice isn't it just a really <laughs> good singing voice and so we were just killing himself like killing ourselves laughing and he's actually got a really beautiful voice so he started singing a song and told his life like it was a story about him and it was one of his favorite songs and he just kept singing it until we were all the way at the shelter and those moments for me is what really keeps me going on these jobs because that life that is in someone is the life that god put in them and we're supposed to see god in every single person that we meet i think sometimes people forget that that they are a child of God, and they are just like us. Everyone is equal. And so that moment on the van with him, I could see the happiness in his eyes. And so I'm just reminded of that every time I see him again. And it just builds, builds our connection and our relationship. Talking with Susan, I know that that she's she's mentioned that um, she was not easy to deal with at the beginning. She mentioned to me she had a lot of anger and, and things, but the staff in our shelter and then in, in uh, the Wellspring program were patient with her. And I think that really spoke to her that there are people that uh, will take her um, where she's at and, and see past some of those things. Uh, 
and value who she was deep down and uh, as a child of God and uh, someone of value and worth. I'm taking care of myself in a way that that's healthy and I have people who care about me here now. You get um, your own room, which for me being homeless was like heaven. And that made me feel strong. There isn't a part of the Hope Mission that I feel that I haven't used and been a part of. It's like a mini miracle to have like a meal, a hot meal that means something that, you know, you know you're not going to get out there. So, and having a warm place to sleep, even on a mat, it's just, it makes all the difference in the world because you can come and you can get warm and you get to go to sleep and it's safe. I'm at a place now where I can look back and just be astounded at the level of humanity and caring that the Hope Mission puts forward. I feel like in the future, if there's anything that I could do to help, you know, the Hope Mission, I would be first in line to, to be there, whatever it is, right? Because um, I'm actually getting to a place where I can give back. And I never thought I'd be there again, but I am. And that is only because of Wellsprings and the Hope Mission. That is only because of them. Thank you for listening to Hope Stories, Episode 2. To learn more about Hope Mission and how you can join our Hearts of Hope monthly giving program, visit hopemission.com. Your monthly generosity will provide meals, shelter, and life-changing care to people like Susan each and every day. And remember, if you see a neighbor in distress, just call 211 and press option 3. Your simple phone call could save a life.